is doing. All right, good deal. Thanks. That's awesome. Uh, we're uh, you're like, what are we doing today? And I'm like, I got no idea. Let's uh, but let's keep doing it. We're having a little fun. Welcome. If this is your first time in Ordinary Faith, you picked a strange Sunday to come. So I'm glad you're here. So it's good. Whew. So what we uh, we do, we don't we don't have a membership. We don't do business meetings because only cranky people come to them. And uh, we we run everything through a leadership team that function in the capacity of what we consider the New Testament elder role, which are spiritual parents. And they they work the body. They serve in this facility. They serve among the people. And uh, they, they listen and they find out what people need. They find out what Holy Spirit wants to do. And that's how we lead ordinary faith. Uh, that way we don't ever have to get into a popularity contest. We don't ever have to do politics. Uh, we do it this way so that we can follow Jesus and be faithful to that. Ordinary faith, we just completed uh, our 10th year. We're 10 years old. That's right. We were house churches somewhere around 2008, 2009, but we officially became Ordinary Faith Inc. in uh, January of 2012, and so this Jan- and we t- and we began meeting in this facility in that month as well. And here we are, 10 years later, same place. God has been very, very good. So that's just a, a great thing. So I wanted to start, I do, I do have a sermon, but I have a longer introduction, okay? So, uh, well, that is how it is at the moment. It could change, you know, things could change. But as I was thinking about today, um, what I normally like to do with the State of the Church Address is I like to let the leadership team share their different areas that they work with and they function in. And so I thought today, and normally I just do a sermon, but I thought today I'd do a little bit more about our past and who we are and what I, what I envision us becoming. And uh, one of the things over the years, well, actually, I was thinking about the last two years. The last two years have, uh, have been very challenging. The, the statistics show that um, the, the impacts of COVID on church, ministry, pastors, leaders in church has been absolutely devastating. 45%, I believe, 40% of current serving pastors are looking for an exit is what the latest statistic that came out from LifeWay uh, trends and so forth last few weeks ago. I'm not. I'm very happy where I am, so I'm not looking for a job. Thank you. Um, believe it or not, you guys are enough work. I don't really need anything else. And so people ask me all the time, what do you do? And I'm like, no one knows. No one knows what I do. It's okay. It's all right. No one has to know. It's just me and Jesus, and we're both figuring it out. You know, that first year of COVID 2020, we didn't get to do a state of the church last year because uh, we had lost, uh, I I don't know how to say this. I mean, I want to celebrate today, but there's some realities that we've had to face in the last two years. And our leadership team pretty much changed uh, last year. Alan and Patty Smith and uh, Jason and Brandy Peak were on the leadership team. Uh, Alan and Patty had been on it since the beginning. And uh, Jason and Brandy had come on the year before. And because of COVID things, Al and Patty retired and they wanted to travel. And so we wanted to bless them in that. And uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to give you the testimony of how we ended up living in their house, which I guess now is our house. And uh, we're doing a series in a few weeks on, on echo chambers and how to get free of those. And, and uh, I, I can't wait to tell you the story. I've been waiting. I've been asking the Lord when that's a good time. But it's going to happen in March. 
And I'll share you that story, but that's not the scope of today. But Alan and Patty, uh, just, they wanted to travel. That's something they'd always dreamed to do. So they left our leadership team and the community at the beginning of 21. The Peaks had left a few months before. Jason's job changed, and he ended up going to Arkansas. And so our leadership team was uh, Christy and I and the Oars, John and Tammy, at that time. And so last year, we didn't know how to have a State of the Church address because we were struggling just getting by from week to week. And if we hadn't been for Pastor Steve and Becky, I don't know how we'd have got through that season. It was very, very challenging. And, uh, but through that, God brought Stephen Louise Wright and Paul Pertelli into a mentoring process, and they are now serving on the leadership team, and you're going to get to see them today. We're going to bring them up at the end of this message, and uh, I'll explain that later. So it was, a, it was a, a challenging time. Another person we lost that was very um, beneficial, and you may not know this, but Kerry Cobb uh, is kind of a, a brother and a mentor to me, and he and I would meet regularly. And he and his wife, Della, moved uh, to Iowa, and uh, now I hear that they are actually moving back in July. So I'm very, very, very happy about that. And so that's uh, good. Man, we, we went through a lot of changes last year. So Michael Longfellow was our assistant pastor up until about March, and he felt like God had called him to go back to the Rock Springs Christian Church and help them get back on their feet. And when that happened, because of our, we see ourselves as a kingdom-oriented church. We're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to build faith in our community and follow, people following Christ in our community. So when he did that, we invited anyone who wanted to go help him to go. And so the Lucero family and the Stewart family went to join Michael at the Rock Springs Christian Church, and they were over there serving now in a great capacity. And, and so we've got the blessing of being able to bless another church and give them longevity and continuity. So very excited about that. So a lot of changes like that. We did lose some people through 20 and 21, some for different reasons. We, one of the things we say at Ordinary Faith is we know we're not for everybody. We want to be for everybody, but we, we know we're not. We look at things differently and we're trying to accomplish things uh, that it's a little hard to explain sometimes and so we did lose some folks over that and some folks didn't like the way we handled COVID and we may not have liked it either but we did the best we could and then for a while to be honest with you we were really hard to find if you were around in that season are they in the parking lot this week are they going to be at the building where where's ordinary faith we didn't know we were sending out emails and videos and and at the same time, everybody's like, I'm sick of social media. and We're out of here. And so we were hard to find. <clears throat> and so it was, it was, there were some challenges. And then I, I don't want to put a damper on the celebration, but I do want to honor some things. Um, last year, we lost. They, they went home. <laughs> Gary Collins passed about this time last year. And Becky Morrison during the summer. Kay Lou Leitner just a few months ago. Sally Peterson a few months ago. Some folks connected with our church, Lenny Como and Nancy Barnum. We've been connected with the Como and Barnum families for a long time. Alicia Paulson passed. Kylie Philpot, her service is next Saturday. And Mike Tamasowski, Salskis, I never say his name right. <laughs> and uh, Mike is, uh, we baptized Mike last August at Church in the River and he went home. Was it November, December? It was just October. And so uh, I, was, I was deeply honored to be a part of Mike's life, and Deb, his wife, is here today. And I know that you lost people, and I know that everyone in this room has lost folks to COVID. To COVID didn't stop cancer from being around, and it didn't stop other things from being around. And so we've all had our losses. 
And uh, I, I do believe that as a church and as a country, we have to grieve those as soon as we can. We have to feel the sadness and we have to let those go. So I know that you, I didn't mention everyone. I just mentioned a few. I know that um, there's that pain there and I, I want to honor it and I want, um, I want us to feel the sadness so that we can be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. On the other side of that, we had the church picnic last year and baptized 14 people in the river last year. The river was really low, and uh, we didn't lose anybody, but uh, there was debate, uh, so forth. We did church in the park with three different churches last year. That was amazing. Uh, New Hope, Restoration, and First Assembly have, have joined us the last few years, and it's been it's been great. Yeah, it hasn't been without its bumps, but it's still been, it's really been great. I love to see the body of Christ get together. So many great things happened last year. Chris and I got to do some things I, I want you to know about. We, we got to join with Dave, Limmer, Dave and Beth Limmer at Restoration Ranch outside of Casper with several other pastors in the state of like mind for two prayer retreats last year. And I'm telling you, they, they, they saved me. I mean, they just... They were just what we needed to sustain our souls and encourage, not just be encouraged, but to encourage other people facing the same thing. Last November, I got to share at Grace Fellowship in Buffalo, and we did a, a, a series over two days on relationships and, and how to relate to other Christians. And, and God just showed up in that thing, and I'd love to tell you more, but again, I don't have time <laughs> Then um, Chris and I have the honor, we are doing a DNA, and I, the phone number on the slide is wrong, don't put it up, don't worry about it. It's, uh, my wife's number is 307-371-4853, we'll get that fixed and out on social media and so forth. But uh, Chris and I are doing a date night accelerated, so we try to give couples a few skills to help uh, navigate and have a healthier, we believe marriages should be awesome, not just survivable. And so uh, we want to help people do that. And so we're having that in a few weeks, and, and then we're also doing a full weekend workshop with uh, Restoration Church in Casper in March. And so God's really blessed us with some opportunities to, uh, to, to minister to Wyoming, which is what we wanted to do. And uh, we're very, very happy about that. Also, last year, man, we had Starting Point. We did eight weeks on a Starting Point in Your Faith. I thought it was not just wonderful, I, I thought it was a, a, a fantastic way to connect with our younger generation and those who've never walked in streams of faith. And uh, so that was great. And, and you will hear more about Starting Point. We're not done with it. It's, we want it to be a regular part of our culture at Ordinary Faith. Excuse me. And then we did, you know, some simple things, re-imaged re the welcome table, restarted the coffee table very, very simply. Thanks, Don, for keeping me on track back there. Um, of course, the new team leaders, we had a back-to-church Sunday in September where we anointed Paul Pertelli and Stephen Louis right onto the leadership team. We got a chance last year to help a family in some real need, and people stepped up not just with financial donations, but with their backs and labor to, to help a family get through a really tough stretch. And one of the fun things Chris and I got to do last year is the meet and greet at our house in December where we invited all of you out after church, and we had a wonderful Sunday afternoon. So busy year. And if you're looking at the calendar now, it's even busier this year than it was last year. Things, they're not returning to normal. They're stepping into the future. That's what you have to remember. Does that make sense? <clears throat> One thing I should say before I get into the sermon part of this 
is uh, I, I am the lead pastor of Ordinary Faith, and I don't always get it right. Uh, I try to be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. Sometimes I admit stuff I didn't even do wrong just to get on past it. You say, Michael, that's not healthy. I know, I know. Uh, but it's something like that. If you come from a church background, ordinary face a little, a, di- a little different. We're we're pursuing, we're trying to step into the future of what Christianity and church is going to be. And uh, the past has been great. I love my story, my walk of faith, and I don't want to diminish that at all. But the world is changing. Our kids are changing, and I want ordinary faith to be there for my kids and their kids and theirs. I want someone who will listen to them leading the charge of Christianity in this community. So if you come from another church background, sometimes we do things that may not make sense. They may not seem as reverent as they should be because we're ordinary faith. And uh, so we've owned that. If you don't go to church, if you don't come from that stream and you come to ordinary faith, we ask a lot out of people. We're not talking about a Jesus as an add-on to your faith. We're talking about a way of life that's completely foreign to the world in which you live. And so sometimes that's a little bit hard to comprehend and, and swallow. We don't do religion. We do relationship. We believe Christianity is a citizenship in a new home. We're from somewhere else, which we'll come back to that idea in a minute. So why tell you all this? The story of the kingdom of Israel is a story of people who could not stay where they were. The story of the nation of Israel is a story of a group of people who could not stay where they were. And I'm going to argue that that is the same story for the people of God. You can't stay where you are. What do I mean by that? Well, Adam couldn't stay in the garden. Noah couldn't stay on dry land because there weren't any. Abraham couldn't stay in Haran because God called him. Lot couldn't stay with Abram because he was a distraction. Jacob couldn't stay in Canaan. Moses couldn't stay in Egypt. Then he couldn't stay away from Egypt. Israel couldn't stay away, stay in Egypt. Then after 40 years in the wilderness, they couldn't stay in the wilderness. Then after several centuries in the promised land, they couldn't stay in the promised land. And after 70 years in Babylon, they couldn't stay in Babylon. God's people are a people that are constantly on the move. I know that there is a God promise to the nation of Israel about a piece of land. But you must understand that the priority was never the piece of land. The priority was always the people of God. It was always about a people And sometimes you hit places in life, you hit places as a church, you hit places where you can't stay where you are. Things are going to change. And that's not comforting, it's not fun. But you see, the whole point of Ordinary Faith is is that we need a place, and I don't mean a place as in a facility or a spot, I mean a place as in a place to know, a place to belong, and a place with purpose. I, I got to belong somewhere. You got to belong somewhere. You got to come to terms with your, who you are, who you belong to, and what you're on this planet to do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So I want to look at a passage from, that Peter wrote. First Peter chapter 2, Peter writes this to the believers. He says, 
You are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are. You see, we need a place to know some things. People don't know who they are. You can learn this through some of the methods that were used to colonize foreign lands out of Britain. They know that if they can steal a people's history, they can steal their story, they can steal their identity, and then they can enslave those people. And that's exactly what the enemy does. He wants to steal your story. He wants to discredit the story of God. He wants to discredit your identity. If he can steal your heritage, steal your history, steal your story then you, you, uh, you can be easily manipulated by lies and traps. So I want, I want us to realize this is a place to know some things. I want you to know that you are God's very own. You are God's very own. As, 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 I'm sorry. Can we do that all at once the next time? All right. I would love it. I will give you a minute, but if we could do it all at once, that would be good. I have to be done by tomorrow morning at 7. You have to know that you are God's very own. I, I don't think we know that. Um, my son, Collins, with me today. I know you're going to be here, or I wouldn't have put you in the sermon, but there you are. That's the problem when your dad is the pastor. You end up in sermons all the time. Poor kids. We were talking on the phone, uh, no, we were talking via text a morning last, last week or week before, I can't remember when it was, and uh, some days he's stressed, some days I'm stressed, and um, he was stressed that day, and this is what I said, I said, and it was from the Lord, I, I'm not smart, <laughs> I said, son, take some time, let Father God tell you how much he loves you and how awesome he thinks you are. Take some time. So can I say that to you? Take some time. Let Father God love you and tell you how awesome he thinks you are. Now, I know you, you got, I know there's a lot of faith streams in this room. And I know that when I, when I say things like God thinks you're awesome, I know what's fighting that. There's that, that religious story and you're going, no, no, we're awful. Sure. Yeah, you're awful. Christ, we're wonderful. That's right. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all your awful. All your awful is touched by the blood of Jesus. It's all buried with Christ and you are a new creation. With a new heart, a new mind, everything about you is new. So I wish, what I would love to see, and I'm going to dedicate a whole series to this, I want that echo chamber in your head with every stupid, mean, nasty thing that's ever been said to you continually bouncing around in there. I want to deprogram that thing and shine some light into it. You need to know that Father God loves you, and he, he loves who you are. He loves loving you. You need to know this. We need to step into this identity. We need to drown out that echo chamber because there's a lie in there that makes you think God is beating you down when God is your biggest cheerleader. God is rooting for you to succeed, to do well, to achieve.
So I want you to know that you're God's very own. I want you to know that you're priest kings. Now you're like, Michael, I can't go to work and tell them that on Monday. I probably wouldn't do that either. Don't mess with me. I'm a priest king. Straighten my crown. Back off, buddy. You say, why does he sound like Elvis when he does that? I, I don't know. Because I'm from Tennessee, man. Tennessee. Anyway, so uh, you're priest kings. What does it mean to be a priest king? It means that everywhere you live, everywhere you work, everywhere you walk, you're the one who brings the holy. You're the one who brings the holy. You make your job holy. You make your recreation holy. You make the golf course holy, retirement, your marriage, whatever it is. That's you. You are ordained and anointed and saved to be a priest king. That's what Peter calls you. You offer sacrifices and you make your place in the world holy. Another thing you need to know that Peter says on down in verse 11 of that same chapter, he says, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. I need you to know that you ain't from here. His grammar went bad. I wanted you to hear it. You are not from here. The day that you met Jesus Christ and like Thomas in John chapter uh, 20 said, my Lord and my God, you fell before Jesus and declared him Lord of your life. That day, your citizenship, your birthright changed from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You ain't from here anymore. And you and I are on our way somewhere. We're on a journey. We are on a terrible camping trip. <laughs> Your citizenship has moved. You are rescued from the grasp of hell and you are born again of new blood, a citizen of a new place. I don't know how anyone has a faith who doesn't know these things. That discourages me sometimes. I think of all the things that people get taught and I think of the shadow and the judgment and the guilt that those things get taught from and it makes me a little angry. Because I want you to know that your father likes you, that he's merciful and that he's good. I want you to know that you have, there, there's a big theme in the New Testament that was given to the church or the ecclesia as they would have determined it. And it was this, it was this belief that we had a priesthood as believers, that all of us were equal before God. There, there were no professional clergy. There were gifts. There were people who worked in different roles and functions, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're, Jesus, they're gifts that Jesus gave to the church. And these ideas of guilt and shame that have made us make church an add-on and made us make it into a religion, I think are shameful and I want you to be free. And that's what an ordinary faith is about. Because an ordinary faith works on Monday through Saturday. Just as well as that hour, hour and a half, three hours, four hours <laughs> on Sunday. Of course, I'm just kidding. I haven't gone four hours yet. But today, where's hope? <sighs> this is a place, we are a place to be known. I mean, we are a place to know and we are a place to be known. Galatians 6, 9, Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, let's not get tired Ooh, there's a word right there, isn't it? Let's not get tired. Yeah. After the last two years, let's not get tired. Yeah. 
of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. But I want you to see the last line. We should do good to everyone. Especially those in the family of faith. Especially those in the family of faith. So you see, this isn't just a place to know and to find your identity and and to begin to walk in a a higher revelation of what God has for you and what Jesus has done for you. This is also a place to be known. This this ordinary faith is more a family than it is a church. Because we think church should be family. And, and, but that you're like, oh, that sounds so good. Well, I, mm. Because <laughs> as soon as you hear family, you're like, oh, I love family. I want family. Well, not my family. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, my, I mean, yeah, I want the perfect family. And, but this is, this is family. This is moms and dads and grandparents and brothers and sisters. And I love that. The Bible... One of the great comforts I've taken out of leaving my family in Tennessee to come to the West and minister for the last 20 years or more, 22 years, it's been a long time, is this, Jesus said that if you leave anything for me, I'm going to give you that and much more where you're going. And I I take him at his word and I'm telling you, he's honored it. And and not too long in the future, I'm going to tell you the story of how God gave me like 95% of everything I've been praying for for the last 25 years. And, uh, it's a family. But family's more than just mom, dad, brothers, sisters. It's also strange cousins. <laughs> Weird uncles. Crazy aunts. You know what I'm saying? You know what I love about family? You don't get to pick family. Everyone, we live in a world today that says, I don't care what I've given in life, I'm just going to pick something else. That's awful. Here's, we need to understand that God puts you in the family with people that you would never be friends with. Am I wrong? I mean, seriously, he puts you in a family, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts and uncles. You would not pick those people. And if you don't believe me, take notes next Thanksgiving. Bring up religion or politics. And take some notes. And you're like, I... I would not have picked these people. (laughs) Do you know why? God puts us in families with people that we would not have picked because he wants to bring out of us things that we cannot get to on our own. Things that will not be unearthed if we just pick people we like. We need to learn to love people who are not like us. That's why family is so, so important. But it's also this word that you're going to hear more and more of throughout the year. And if I could find another word, I would. It's a Greek word, and I know Greek is Greek. <laughs> and it's this idea of, of ecclesia. We are the family of God, but we are so much more than the family of God. We're so much more than a family. We're ambassadors and missionaries. We're warriors and champions. We're peacemakers in a world gone insane. I don't know if you can handle this yet, but we're a war council as well. 
That's what ecclesia is. Ecclesia is a gathering. And, and when Jesus caught, took the phrase from the Greek world, he knew exactly what he was doing. And everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. But we don't know what he was talking about today because we, the word ecclesia got hidden behind the word church, which we think means a building. But Jesus presented the ecclesia as something that was powerful in the city that it inhabited. That the city that held an ecclesia was blessed mightily because there was a war council from another land present in that city to fight for, not against, for them. We're going to break that down a lot in 2022. We're going to grow together in what Ecclesia means. It's going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. And what it's going to do over time, we have to stop thinking in periods of days, weeks, months, years. We have to think of decades, generations, and centuries. We have to think larger. Because God has placed us here to transform this city, to be a blessing to it. I imagine a day, this is my dream, I imagine a day that leaders in our city say to themselves, I do not know what we would do if ordinary faith weren't in this place. Amen. We're a place to know and a place to be known. And lastly, we're a place to start. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you don't know this passage, it's John chapter 14, 1 through 4, and, and it's a great and beautiful passage. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am place to start. We're not from here, and we're not staying here. We're on our way somewhere. Now, I don't, I don't know if you know this about me. You may not. Uh, anyone who knows me well knows I'm kind of a homebody. I like to work around my house. I like to do projects around my house. I really, really love my chair. <laughs> it's my prayer chair, my nap chair, my dad. It's just, I love my chair. I've always had a chair, and when it breaks down, my wife helps me get another chair because I get really grumpy if we don't have a chair that's my chair. And when the grandkids come over and, and steal my chair, it's, it's a very tense moment. It's very tense. It's a little stress there. I love my chair. I love my bed. I love my home. I love my kids to be home. I love to be surrounded with all the chicks in the nest and I, they're safe. I can protect them, at least think that I can, and I can rest because things are as they should be. Yeah. Can you identify with that? Anybody else? Yeah. Am I the only one? I mean, some of you are like, no, I don't ever want to be home. Just get me out of here. And um, <laughs> you and I are not the same. It's okay. We're, we're in a family. I don't like you. You don't like me. It's fine. <laughs> just kidding. That's just a joke. I'm just being humorous, all right? But even though I, I like the place God's put me in on this planet, I miss a home I haven't been to yet. Yes. I miss a land I haven't seen. 
I'm, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> and, and so this is the thing. You and I, we are going somewhere. This is a place to know, a place to be known, and a place to start going home. We're headed home. Jesus has a place for us. He spent seven days, I'm sorry, he spent six days creating the earth according to Genesis chapter 1. He's been working on your place in heaven for 2,000 years. To borrow from Keith Green, we're living in a garbage can. We, we have a home prepared that Jesus has prepared for us. And it's not only the fact that we are going home. There's also the reality that we want to take people with us on the way. That's why Jude writes, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. We want to take every soul possible with us. This is what Ecclesia is about. We are busting down the gates of Hades, the places of death, the places of darkness, tremble at our presence because we're a threat to hell. Every demon in this city fears you. Man, we ever get that? And what he's really afraid of is the day you realize it. When you realize how scared the enemy is of you, you're going to have a whole new confidence to, to, to do this, to set people free. Because salvation, we're not, <laughs> we're not trying to get a lot of decisions. We're trying to train disciples. We're not asking anyone to, to sign a card or, well, we might from time to time, but that's not the goal. The goal is, will you follow Jesus? Will you, will you, will you start a, a life journey with Jesus Christ? Don't make Jesus a religious add-on. I don't want something hanging off the mirror of your car. I want your life changed by the power of a living God. Does that make sense? That's what we want to do. And that's what salvation is. We're rescuing friends, brothers and sisters, and warriors, and priest kings, and a holy nation. That's what we're doing. So, what's your place? Michael, that was rousing only because it was true. I really wanted to go against you there a couple times, but I get it. What are you asking from us this year? I'm so glad you asked that question. I had in my notes that you would ask what I wanted. Christmas was in December. Back off, Jack. <laughs> Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. We need prayer. We need it today. We need it every day. God's raising up more and more people to pray. And I'm here to tell you this, and, and I don't say this to be offensive. I, I, wanna, I just want this to be clear. If we can do things that don't require prayer, I would like to stop doing those things. I heard a question several years ago that just staggered me as a pastor. And the question was this, if the Holy Spirit was taken off the planet Earth today, would anything in your church change? 
A lot of times we do so much out of human effort. And I'm telling you, we need the power of God. We need God to do things. We need God's wisdom. We need God's guidance. We want to work under God's authority and His structure of authority. We want everything to come from Him. We don't want to just do stuff for God. We want to do stuff from God. And the only way that's going to happen is as we pray to God. Does that make sense? You agree with me? Can you you say an amen? Amen. amen? Okay, good deal. We need prayer. There are things we need to know. Things we need to do. And my calling, the the thing that God has laid on my heart over the last five years, is that my job is to raise up the next generation of faith. I'm moving into a different stage of my ministry. I don't know what that looks like yet, and I don't like change any more than you do. So I don't know what I'm doing. You understand that? You're like, Michael, you always know what you're doing. You've heard me teach, right? I don't know, but so I need, I need God's leadership and God's power. And I need God to make connections so that I can mentor and disciple. Then he goes on to say, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, it's a big however, he's given each one of us. Say us. Each one of us, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Say Christ. Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is generous? Yes. You think he likes his church? You think he likes his church? His ecclesia? This is why the scriptures say, hang on, did I miss a verse there? I'm jumping down to verse 11. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors. And the teachers. What I need you to see is that the generosity of Christ gives gifts in verse 8. And in verse 11, these are the gifts to the church, the ecclesia. I need you to see that every person in this room functions in some way at the very least. And some of you are called in even larger ways. But at the very least, some of you function as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so we need prayer, but we also need to grow in what Jesus has given us. I don't know if you know this or not, but we need you. We need you. We need you to grow in Jesus. We need you to learn how to use the things He's gifted you to do. We need maturity. We all need to grow. I need to grow in faith, not in width, but I still need to grow. So that means we have a commitment to growth. It also means we have a commitment to relationships. God put us in a family with the crazy aunts and the weird uncles and the strange cousins. And we can't just say, well, they're not my people. I'm out. That's what maturity is. Maturity learns to work with and minister with people who are not like you or me. Does that that make sense? That's part of maturity. And I think God puts us in churches that have people that rub us the wrong way. Because, you know, there are some of you, some of some people, I was going to say some of you, but not, you guys are all so sweet. I couldn't say this about you, but you're like, he's being a chicken now. <sighs> some folks are sandpaper and some folks are rough. 
And we need each other to, to grow and to, to, to become together more than we could ever be as the sum of the group. More than we could ever be on our own. So we, we need this maturity. We need to, to grow. So I'm asking today a couple things. I'm, I'm definitely asking you to start praying. And I, I want to do something in the service that I'm calling a reverse invitation. Normally, I have myself and some prayer team members. And I invite you to come and we pray for you. But what I'm going to do here in just a minute is I'm going to invite the leadership team up. And Steve and Becky, Steve may have to play the piano, so I want you to pray. I'm, asking, I'm going to ask you to come and pray over us. That's what I'm going to ask you to do while the worship team plays. So this is going to happen in just a minute. We, we need to do that. We need to do more. There is something big we're praying about, and I need you to pray about this. I'm not asking you to do anything about this yet, because I don't want to do something for God. I want to do something from God. And it's, it's a facility. We're praying about whether or not God wants us to plant an anchor in this town and build or buy a ministry center. We're praying about it. Now, guys, it's a huge deal. Huge. Like million plus dollar huge. And I don't... You'll find out in a few weeks when I share our story... I'm not the guy who has the faith for stuff like that. I'm the strategist. I'm the guy who figures out how to get there. But when there is a million miles high and a million miles away and impossible to do, I'm not the guy to come up and say, let's do it anyway. Now, my wife. And so we need to pray because we need Holy Spirit to show us the way. Because we need to do more in this city. We need to do more. We need to do it more often. Which takes a building, I think. <laughs> We're still praying. <laughs> we need to know. And I'm not taking a step until I know, personally, what God wants me to do. Does that, does that make sense? So, man, we need your prayers. And uh, another thing, before I wrap this up... <clears throat> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's uh, 1.7 million. That's what we need, Lord. 1.7. Um, the last thing I wanted to share with you is I, I don't, what we're doing today and why I'm inviting you to prayer is this. I don't do guilt. I hate guilt. I hate it. It's a tool of the enemy that he's used well in the church. And one of the things I hate about guilt is it only works when you keep applying the pressure of guilt. The gifts of God are ever increasing. Yes, that's right. They're ever blessing. So I, I don't do guilt, but I do do Holy Spirit. Yes. I do prayer. I do vision. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to look back 10 years from today. This is our 10th anniversary this month. January was our 10th year. I want to look back 10 years from today and I want to have this same kind of gathering. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to go, can you believe what God has done in the last 10 years? Woo! 
So if I get the worship team to come forward and uh, we're going to sing, if you want to you stand and if I could get the leadership team, the Wrights, Paul, my wife, the Oars, Becky, if you'd come and stand up here, if you're able to, I know you're not feeling great, stand in for Steve. The worship team is going to worship, and while they're doing that, I want you to invite you to come and pray over the leadership team and the staff, Steve and I are staff, um, pray over us while we worship together, and uh, that would honor us greatly, and that's how we're going to go into the, what did I miss? I was looking for John. Oh, there he is. John was fixing a chair, most likely. <laughs> Steve, if you'll lead us, would you pray for us?